Sup Thrill Seekers, I'm Connor. And I'm Dev, and you're listening to Mass Hysteria. Okay, welcome back, Thrill Seekers. This week, we are nothing if not inconsistent. We apologize for our we, inconsistencies. We've had some... Uh, we COVID has finally affected us. Neither of us have it, but Connor decided to do one thing for himself, go get a haircut, and... I got uh, exposed. He got exposed. <laughs> so we do... We are in each other's circle for, uh, like, pandemic circle, I guess, you and, you and I, so we obviously record together but we wanted to make sure we were safe so connor is negative clap from the people in the back clap 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 when we are ready to give you the case that we've waited half the week to to do and it's we've worth also it. it's a good we've one. learned a valuable lesson that we need to um actually have a backlog, a backlog. we kind of are flying by the seat of our pants as um, we do in life as we do <laughs> literally all the time have we ever started an essay before the day it's due no probably not no we release the episodes basically at midnight on Thursday morning and um, we record them two Wednesday hours before <laughs> we come scripted to an extent I guess we're not as scripted now but and then we just record and we uh, pedal to the metal to get them edited and up zoomy zoom but now we are ready to share with you a crazy story and it's not true crime this week it's spooky it's alien paranormal paranormal Connor talking about his My journey life. to Earth. <laughs> uh, take the floor, Connor. We're ready for you. I uh, saw a bright light. It was me. It was Devin. Thank you. Standing on a bed of rose petals on the Earth. Okay, we need to stop. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going One with of this. us is tired, and it's not me this time. Um, so this case was actually a recommendation from... One of our listeners, Henry, I don't know if he's listening. Shout out. But he was listening in the beginning and he suggested that we look into this alien abduction case. So thank you, Henry. You're the best. And it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Like, I think the hard thing why we, at least why we steer more toward true crime is because it's hard to find like meaty stories about like spookier things. You can like, it's all hearsay. Whereas true crime is kind of like. Beginning, middle, end usually, or at least. You can kind of talk about what you think might have happened. And this case is actually, there's a lot of stuff going on and has a very interesting ending. So stay with us, dear thrill seekers, because we're taking you uh, out of this world. That was that was not even planned. I'm just so clever today. So clever. Um, okay. So Connor, if you were to explain your biggest fear right now, what would it be? Um... Like, I could think of a lot of things, but, like, probably, like, the least existential would be uh, snakes. I have a serious fear of them. They make me cry. The way you... If if you want to see me shriek like a little girl (laughs) and run screaming... I would just like to say he works on a farm, so he's definitely seen it. Oh, yeah. I see them all the time. They make me want to cry. Like, even just thinking about them, like, brings up my little heart rate. Oh, God. I hate them. What about you? Um, So, if you know me pretty well, because I'm not incredibly open about this but now i'm open to our our listener we're here for you we support you we Um, love you i am (laughs) horrified horrifyingly scared of mice yeah and yet she's judging me for being scared of snakes mice are just uh, 
So I had this traumatic experience when I was younger and I was carrying a chest. I remember this. Uh, with my neighbor and I dropped my end and like seven mice flew out of the chest onto my leg and ran up my leg. And <laughs> that's what I associate, associate with mice. And also because my mom had the truck, like oh, the old yeah. truck, and it was so old there was like mice, mice nests in it. Uh-huh. So one time we were driving and a nest fell out with a mouse on my side of the truck. And I was like, why do all of the mice in the state of Massachusetts have a vendetta against me? Please explain that to me. And ever since then, I'm just like, I can do it. Like, I can do snakes. I can do bats. No, mice, keep them away. So I think we can both agree that the feeling, though, of somebody watching you, like, yes, we're scared of these small garden creatures, but the feeling of somebody watching you and somebody that, like, you can't reach out and touch, but at any moment they could reach out and touch you, that thought is absolutely horrifying. Yeah, it gives me chills. It also sounds like one of those times when you're like at a department store and like a person that works there just suddenly appears out of nowhere while you're looking at the silkiest underwear to buy and you're so startled that you almost drop it. But I mean, that not that that's ever happened Never to me. Happened it's just to you. an example. Hi, Connor. How may I help you today? <laughs> oh, the lace silky thong? That's, that's a great choice. Um... <laughs> I'm going to acknowledge your comment emotionally, but I think it's time for us to move forward. Anyway. All is fair in love and silky underwear. Amen. Uh, we could get that on a t-shirt. That Let us totally know. totally be on a t-shirt. Um, so we're going back today to a spooky place, and we're dealing with a spooky topic, aliens, like we mentioned, but we're going to the White Mountains. Cue the alien music. That's like yes. Twilight Zone music. Yeah. Um, today we're covering the alien abduction case of Betty and Barney Hill. And this is not... Barney, that's a friend of ours from our imagination. This is a real Barney. And no, Connor does not still watch PBS, but yes, it's a good question to bring up. Um, <laughs> this was the first like real report of an alien abduction in or UFO abduction in the U.S., and it's one of the few UFO sightings taken seriously by the government. It's further been like, I don't necessarily know how much they buy it, but if you go on a couple of websites, it'll map out that like this is basically the only case in the northeast that they take seriously as an alien abduction case hmm interesting yeah so let's head back a little little before our favorite era to the 1960s the the 80s which neither of us have lived in we're like we love love the 80s 80s, but we're gonna go back you know just a few more years to the 60s this is september of 1961 betty and barney um they had been married for a little over a year they lived in portsmouth new hampshire which is like a cute little um New England City, right on the ocean. We both love it there. We love it there. Devin's mom had a job there when she was younger, but we love going there. Anyway, they both had really demanding jobs. Um, Barney worked the graveyard shift every week at the post office, and the commute was grueling. And Betty, she was a social worker. She was dedicated to her career, and she was in charge of the child state welfare cases. As an interracial couple in the 1960s, they were dedicated to advancing civil rights, and they volunteered with the little free time that they had for advocacy work. They sound like the perfect people. Mm. They sound like, you know, me. They're dedicated. We'll leave a poll on the Instagram how valid that uh, conjecture is. But um, yeah, they just sound like they're very dedicated to their work. They also make time to volunteer. Very busy. And they were so busy, in fact, that after nearly 16 months of marriage, they had yet to take their honeymoon, which I'm not married, but like, isn't that the perk of getting married? I like mean, I'm right? the post wedding vacation. Like love is great. I'm sure marriage is fine. Whatever. Um, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to the tan I get in Bora Bora. 
Can I come on your honeymoon? Um, we all like. I want to say obviously, like no, but like, <laughs> why do we feel like that's gonna happen? And even if you're uninvited, you'll just like, I'll open my suitcase. And I'll be like, ah! so weird. We're both here I'll at be the like, same time. This is the largest mouse have, I've ever seen. We have adjoining rooms. What? what? <laughs> oh, I build it to your credit card. NBD. NBD. <laughs> if you guys think this is a joke, I'm, I'll, I'll pay you back. Not kidding. Um. But Betty and Barney Hill decided to spontaneously drive up to Montreal for a few days. Um, this was this was their honeymoon. So they, they worked so hard that they were like, you know, what's a few short vacation days we can spend together? And to return to Portsmouth, the couple was going to need to pass through both Vermont and New Hampshire. And specifically, there's a long stretch in New Hampshire that's known as the White Mountains, which we've talked about before. Home to some of the most skiing, most beautiful skiing and winter activities in all of New Wait, England. Wait, I went skiing there today in the White Mountains, yeah. and I I showed up to ski to learn how to ski with my one of my BFFs, Lainey, and uh, it was 80s day. I'm like, this podcast is fun. Anyway, sorry. That's amazing. Devin also has a uh, baseball sized bruise on her hip. So Connor's criticizing me for growing a third butt cheek. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep you posted on the yeah, um, on the ski injury yeah, update. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, um, it's very busy up there in the winter, but a little quieter off season. And in many places, there's only one road to get from point A to B, and sometimes there's a mile or two between neighbors. So if you remember back like 10 episodes ago, Maura Murray disappeared on a windy road in the White Mountains. So Barney was a veteran of World War II, and he loved aviation. Given his time as a soldier, Barney was not somebody who would scare easily. He was logical, and he was a quick thinker. Wow, this feels very familiar mm-hmm. with myself. Um, no. But planning the route the two would travel from the diner in Vermont would take about four hours to return safely to Portsmouth. So there was rumored to be um, a hurricane coming in that night. So the couple decided like, hey, we'll just chug some coffee and we'll hit the road um, ready to go back home. So remember the story we're telling, it's from 1960. So cell phone service, cell phones, um, GPS systems, none of this is available, let alone even dreamed up of at this time. That meant for Barney and Betty to return home. They were reliant on strong navigation in a detailed set of maps. So basically, Devin and I would be lost. We would be, Connor, like, I still use a GPS to get to your house. Okay, that's a joke. But I like, mean, until very recently. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Winnie moved. What am I going to do? So basically, it's late by the time they crossed over into New Hampshire. It's late, dark, and Betty and Barney noticed a glowing, vibrant light following their car. Barney quickly resorted to thinking it must be a satellite. He was very logical or like a tiny plane that was off course. But as they kept driving, this orb-like light continued to follow them. It was weaving in and out of trees, sometimes appearing larger, before hanging behind them for a while. Betty and Barney were perplexed, but not frightened, at least not yet. So when I was thinking about what their experience experience must have been like, it reminded me of this time a while ago. And I'm interested, if you're listening right now and this has happened to you, because I think, I'm, at least from what I've been told, a lot of people listen when they drive. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this experience, I want to say a couple of years ago, where I don't know, like, I don't know what to dub it. I, I found it on Reddit. I really went in a Reddit hole to find if people had experienced this as well. Mm-hmm. And I just called it, like a phantom car but you're driving like driving along the highway and there's a car behind you and the next time you like look up in the back of your um like to look in your mirror the car is gone Mm -hmm. and like there's no 
plausible way the car could have passed you or like turned onto another street. Mm-hmm. And um, the the Reddit thread was was insane. People were like, "Look, if you go on Google Maps, the car is there one second, and then you turn to like get the next photo of the road, and the car is nowhere in sight, and there's no way you could have turned." And I don't know. Have you ever experienced that? Does that sound familiar at all? Yeah, it doesn't familiar, but I guess I've always chalked it up to like being that I was just spaced out and that the car turned off yeah. somewhere. But I just, I guess the other way that people could experience it is like, like looking down for a second at the road and then looking back up and there's a car behind them and there's no plausible way the car could yeah. have gone that. Yeah, I've definitely also experienced like that kind of like out of body feeling where like you're driving and suddenly you're where you're supposed to be, but you don't remember, remember. getting there. You know, you've probably experienced that. The autopilot of that. It's creepy. And so basically that was, I, that was what I was thinking. It was like, oh my yeah. God, maybe they're seeing things, this yeah. object and it's disappearing, but right. the, the, the orb was following them. So curiosity eventually got the best of Betty and Barney. They needed to figure out what was this floating light like actually was and why it was following them. And I think they started their drive being like, oh, are we imagining this? Like, was it a reflection from a car that was like fooling their brains? But they would be no closer to an answer until they got a closer look. So with apprehension, but an eagerness about them, Betty and Barney started to pull over on the side of the road to investigate. So they pulled over a couple of times. We'll talk, we're going to talk about the last time they pulled over in a little bit. But um, they kept kind of pulling over and seeing if this orb essentially was following them. And when Betty looked through her binoculars, she couldn't believe what she was seeing. There was a tiny saucer hovering and spinning in the sky. Well, Barney, much like myself, <laughs> had a genius level IQ. Up for debate. <laughs> he quickly thought of all the possible explanations for what this tiny light could be. But nothing was really matching up, and so he knew he needed to say something to comfort his wife, but he really couldn't think of a plausible answer to her question, what are we looking at? So the final time they pulled over, Betty and Barney were in an area densely filled with trees. And I'm saying this because... Like, we used credible sources for this, but there's also a thing on Reddit, because after, obviously, we did the research, I was like, what are the Reddit, Reddit users, Reddit. Reddit, Reddit writers have to say about this? Um, and someone was saying that the area that had the trees, because the orb was getting closer to them, it, like, had, did some damage on the tops of the trees. Oh, so I just thought that was interesting. Weird. I couldn't find, like, a legitimate source Evidence that says this, that, but yeah. I, I think that's kind of an interesting thing to talk about. So Barney had a handgun stash in his car, and without inviting Betty to follow, he told her, you know, stay back, stay in the car, he slipped the gun in his pocket and left the car. He walked toward part of the area with an open field, and he stared up at the object above him. This was definitely not a helicopter or a lost satellite. It wasn't his imagination, and it wasn't a lone reflection. It was an orbiting object the size of a plane, but round like a disc, hovering 100 feet or so above his head. Crazy. So Barney, the brilliant man who could find a reason in everything, and like that's a point to hammer home. Like this, he's like the most logical person he's seen. Right, this, right. Had encountered something he couldn't explain. He froze when he blinked his eyes a few times, and the saucer was still there. In true ET fashion, Barney held up the pair of binoculars to get a closer look. And remember, at this point, it's less than a hundred feet above his head, and it's only getting closer. When he held the binoculars up to observe the enigmatic object, his whole body froze. He had the gun in his pocket, but he had no energy to reach for it. There, in the floating saucer, he could see the faces, tiny gray faces, of creatures that he had never seen before. Was a chorus of aliens staring down at him? Barney only gave himself a brief pause to process what he was seeing before he took off in a full sprint 
toward the car, which is exactly what I would have done. Yeah, and you would have left me behind like you did the last time. Yeah, I would have. I'm like, take her, take her. <laughs> um, I didn't want her anyway. Uh, Betty I'll was, find a new friend. I'll find a new one. Betty was still sitting in the car when Barney ran up to the driver's door. He was winded and he was frantic. In those last few moments, it had clicked for him. The floating saucer was getting closer because it was preparing to capture Barney and Betty. In a bid to outrun the unknown flying object, Barney sped off down the road, flying around sharp turns with the hope that they would lose the saucer. Betty, with her face pinned to the window and eventually leaning out the window of the car, gasped as she provided a play-by-play to Barney of how the UFO was approaching. Right when the couple had hoped that they might possibly outrun the UFO, that's when they heard the sound. It was, a it was tiny... Connor. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the back seat. Beckoning them to my family. I like that better. Come, my precious. <laughs> this tiny banging noise in their trunk grew louder and louder until it became loud thuds that were undeniable. The couple began to feel drowsy as if they were drifting off. Soon, they had lost all consciousness, waking up over two hours later, 35 miles from the place that they had last been awake. Which means they were either slow drivers or they got abducted. Yeah, two hours, like 35 miles. miles. God, I mean, even if they're not slow drivers, that's some slow alien driving (laughs) too. (laughs) So we've learned already that aliens are slow drivers. Yeah, if you don't mind um, taking out a piece of paper and writing down the facts that are important to (laughs) this Bullet points, aliens are slow drivers. (laughs) Um, Well, the tale itself is quirky and entertaining. The strain the experience had on both of their mental health was very real. The couple reported the sightings to the Air Force, and Betty joined a group for people who had experienced UFO sightings. She became plagued with night terrors and vivid dreams. Barney developed ulcers and anxiety in the months following the incident. The couple knew they needed to get help if they wanted to move on from the crazy events. Um, And so they resorted to the favorite solution of the 1960s. And you guessed it, folks. Music festivals. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I, I mean, mostly kidding, at least. Woodstock. <laughs> they did seek out help um, from doctors, um, and it was in the form of hypnosis. They believed if they got the medical attention to work out the trauma, they would eventually find peace to move on from that wild night back in September. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> There's only so many sessions. Um, only so much trauma can be healed. <laughs> So they did exactly that. They visited a neurologist and a psychiatrist who was skilled at hypnosis named uh, Benjamin Button. I mean, Benjamin Simon. (laughs) Barney and Betty were committed to their sessions. They desperately wanted to understand what had happened to them and how they could move forward in their life. They needed to remember what happened to them that night. Um, The scene that like I, I think we were picturing when we were talking about this was if you've seen Donnie Darko when he's working with the therapist to like recall how he has like these crazy memories of the night but also no concept of what happened johnny johnny oh it's Uh, so creepy uh that movie it's not even that what is so scary about that movie there's just something so creepy about it you know what's scary about that movie um spoiler alert it has no ending that's what's scary yeah that is you're like i still have no idea i don't really know what happened you start the movie and you're like i know nothing you finish the movie you're like i know even less (laughs) um through a series of intense sessions, they pieced together the details of the night slowly. After Barney had sped away in the car with Betty leaning out the window, watching the hovering disc, they had not continued the chase for that much longer. The UFO landed on top of the car, immediately putting both Barney and Betty into like an unconscious state. When they woke up again, 
gray, tiny beings were leading them up a ramp and into the vehicle. That's so creepy. I know, but it One, feels very E.T. Mm, it does. Once they were inside the spacecraft, things started to get even stranger. The couple was immediately separated from each other, and they were brought to different rooms on the ship. These rooms were dome-shaped with a large fluorescent light hanging from the ceiling. It's reassuring to know that aliens also believe in yearly checkups. Which, speaking <laughs> of that, aren't you overdue? Probably. <laughs> um both Betty and Barney were instructed to climb on two metal tables. They could have at least had pillows, let's be honest, yeah, for the rest rude. of their examination. According to an article on History.com, which we used as one of our main points of reference for this case, uh, apparently the table was so short that Barney's legs hung over the edge. Um, their physicals, that's what we're going to call it, their physicals. <laughs> their physicals were a little more invasive, I would say. I mean, I guess I'd have never been to all doctors, but... They're a little more invasive than, what than you the have average experienced? one. Yeah, what I've experienced myself. <laughs> Both Betty and Barney were stripped of their clothes and told to hold still through a series of assessments. One of the small creatures removed pieces of their hair, trimmed their fingernails, and scratched the surfaces of their arms and legs for skin cells. It was Connor's first job. It was. <laughs> <laughs> I am a I tiny worked at the mall. <laughs> Connor did physicals on aliens. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, these tiny samples were saved onto clear, tiny rectangles, similar to like what a lab would use to put under a microscope. Small needles were placed in random places in their body, drawing samples of blood and tissue. Betty was identified as the alien doctors as a female, and she was probed with a long needle in her stomach to check for pregnancy. What if you weren't pregnant and they were just like, you just like had a gut and they were like, wah, wah, where's the kid? <laughs> That's what I'm picturing. Like, I would be offended if they were like, we were checking for pregnancy. Right? I'd be like, I've been doing crunches. Also, like, what if you lost your baby because of this? That's so true. That's very invasive. I mean, this is all hypothetical. We're kind of going off the rails a little bit. But anyway, there was also a creature in the corner of the room. One of the um, aliens, I guess we're calling them. They later dubbed him the leader. And he just watched throughout the whole process. What an unabashed little pervert their alien president was. Um, the group of alien creatures were particularly excited when they discovered Barney's dentures. So perhaps Betty considered, like, they did not understand that some people may have removable teeth. Oh, my God. They would have a field day with your dad. Yeah, they would. His dad has uh, dentures. That was the connection. So, um, after the examinations were concluded, Betty spent time alone with the alien leader. She asked him about where he had traveled to in the universe, which means, I guess, he must have known English. So they were really lucky where they landed. Um, he told her he could not explain to her where he had been when she would not get the concept of his travels. So good to know mansplainers exist in space as well. I also have a question. Like, did he at least offer her like refreshments after <laughs> this or anything? I will take you into my office and you can ask me questions that I will not give you answers to. <laughs> I'm imagining the scene. I don't know why, but I'm imagining the scene from uh, Princess Diaries where uh, the principal is cleaning all the mugs to, <laughs> to serve Julie Andrews. She's like, your majesty, I'm sorry we don't have fine china. <laughs> I don't know why I'm picturing that. Who is Julie Andrews in that case? The alien leader? <laughs> no, I think Julie Andrews is... Is Betty? Is Betty. <laughs> the the uh, principal is the alien mm. leader. Okay, Connor makes interesting connections. Uh, let us know your thoughts. And... I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I was just feeling it. So while she was with the alien leader, he also showed her a map of the universe. She was later able to draw what she saw during her hypnosis session. Did we find this? I would be interested to see it. They do have pictures. If you Google, you can see what they draw. Like they drew what they thought, think they saw or what they maybe did see. Interesting. And, yeah. 
The little people is the best. It's like these little stick figures, like all staring out the window, <laughs> like on a, like a kids on a school bus. Oh God, that's amazing. So she provided these details to her husband and the doctor. This was not the first time somebody claimed to meet an alien or be abducted, but the vivid details the couple could provide certainly painted a picture that's alive and well in pop culture today. Celebrities became attracted to the story too, and movies and books were inspired by the night. Think of the descriptions Betty and Barney provided the night they were abducted. Small gray creatures with bulbous heads examining them under bright lights. I would be so offended if someone told me I had a bulbous head. Phone home <laughs> ET. <laughs> But this story has become a huge part of how we believe life on other planets uh, may exist and behave. The encounter wasn't torturous and it wasn't malicious, but it was invasive and not really friendly. So after you pause and consider this for a moment, I think the next logical thought is how real was the whole experience? Could the couple have driven for miles on autopilot, like Connor was talking about earlier, and spooked themselves by dozing off before reaching the destination? Did they experience some kind of sleep paralysis or maybe have an hallucination? The experience of the Hills had fascinated many because they were stable and well-respected individuals. If Connor and I reported being abducted by aliens, nobody would think twice. In <laughs> fact, like, they would same give us, crap, different day. <laughs> they would give us a glass of water and send us back to bed. But here were two people recounting an otherworldly experience who, one, had no reason to make it up, and two, were not known to embellish details of their lives. The story of the hills even impacted the science community. An article by Richard McNally about alien abduction encounters suggested that maybe people make up these quote-unquote false memories as a way to re-enchant their lives. Interestingly, the majority of subjects studied said they would experience the abductions all over again for the way they felt connected to their memories. Which is, I think, very interesting. That is interesting. They have this crazy experience, but they would still do it again. Okay, so the History.com article that we've talked about previously about the abduction had some points. Quote, some believe the Hills story was simply a myth with the supernatural meetings, vulnerable protagonists, and otherworldly journeys that are often hallmarks of a legend. And many point to the stress of being an interracial couple living in a predominantly white state in the turbulent era. So... The year of their hypnosis in the article the article talks about was 1964, which was marked by Cold War tensions and civil rights unrest, with numerous urban riots erupting at the summer. So this is one of the quotes from Christopher Bader, who is a psychologist. It's like talked excessively about the case. And we don't we don't know how we how much we really buy what he's saying, but we thought it was interesting to include. He said, quote, you have a biracial couple at a time where obviously it was not easy to be a biracial couple. Look at what those aliens were. A mixture of black and white. I find it very meaningful um, because they were gray. Yeah, I find that kind of BS, but But, I don't know. I mean, obviously, we're not qualified to talk about. I think it's kind of racist to like bring up that, like, even like bring, I don't know. There's an interesting. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but. But I think, like, really what the takeaway here is, is they. One, don't understand why this couple that was like very stable and had great jobs had this experience. So they're like looking into the details, every little detail, trying to find meaning in it. Right. Do you know what I mean? No, I think you're right. So another question you might have is what happened to Benjamin Simon, the doctor working on the couple? Well, he believed that the couple was honest and raw in the details they provided. But perhaps that Betty had dreamt up the entire experience and her husband had absorbed pieces of it as well. 
Of course, maybe they did really get abducted on that September night in 1961 and meet the extraterrestrial life we all long to understand better. The only truth we can give you is that a story like this is hard to prove or disprove. We cannot definitively say a person did not perceive something. We can only question if or what happened. Do you think they're abducted? We can't finish the episode without getting um, our takes. I... I feel like... I think it's... A pretty elaborate story for them That's to have just come up with. And I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's some merit to it. Like, I mean, I we have no reason to believe that there's not like some kind of other intelligent life, right? There are pieces of it where I think, so one, I think for in order for me to say, yes, I believe this or don't believe this, I would have to know what Ben Simon was asking them. You know, because if you're sitting in a therapy session, mm-hmm. he's prompting you like, and was the man speaking English and drawing a star map for you? And she's like, yes. Exactly. Yes, he was drawing exactly. a star map. Were they led, coerced, yeah. or did they come up with this all on their own? I think they had some kind of experience with something like chasing them. Also, I think but like I if, don't... I mean, not not the government. I, okay, this is unpopular opinion, but I believe that NASA should be disfun- defunded. I don't think that we should be looking into uh, intelligent life off of the planet. We have enough trouble here on Earth. We can't keep our crap together here. And we don't need to be sending spaceships up to, the, up to, up to space. Why don't we just stay here and and deal with the problems here we don't need to spend money on those things but if they were going to spend money on something this kind of would have been interesting to spend money on and like separate the couple do the hypnosis separately like almost do it like a friendly interrogation Mm. and like legitimize the details a little more because i feel like it's hard to legitimize some of what happened you know because it's so much of it is hearsay so much of it is speculation and so much of it is like you raise an eyebrow like they had needles to probe you and they were speaking exactly like and also were there no marks on you like i don't you know i don't know it's certainly thought-provoking and interesting it's very interesting so uh let us know what you think we would love if you could take a moment to uh give us five stars on apple podcasts leave a comment review we love reading those email us we read them too frequently follow us on instagram at the mass hysteria podcast and um or facebook also the mass hysteria true. podcast or email us we're not as active on facebook we're not as active on facebook, facebook is getting phased out yeah. i think but i mean yeah, um not wrong we you definitely should follow us there as no well. offense facebook no offense facebook okay. mark zuckerberg <laughs> what if like one person listening is mark zuckerberg he's like hey i was really into this until you guys just <laughs> facebook um but until then i think connor and i i guess have to go wash all this silky underwear that apparently he's bought at this department store you can't just watch wash silky underwear there's a very specific protocol and also just a word of advice to everyone you see a bright light behind you pedal to the metal keep going keep going leave your leave your other couple behind the other person behind (laughs) bye guys bye guys